Hello, and welcome to the Hope Brooklyn Weekly Sermon Podcast. Hope Brooklyn is a community of faith in Brooklyn, New York, that believes wherever you are in your spiritual journey, there's room at the table. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this week's sermon. My name is Bryant. Um, I'm a pastor here at Hope Brooklyn, and I'm so excited to have this fall kickoff. Um, as you know, many times mentioned, it seems very weird to having entering the fall season with this weather, um, but. As gloomy as this morning was, I think the sun was kind of coming out. I don't know if you, whoever came in a little bit later, um, you saw the, the rain kind of going away and the sun coming out. And today we want to um, start talking about our series called Sense and Calling. Um, and this series for the next four weeks is going to be engaging on where God, where we feel like God is directing Hope Brooklyn. Um, and not just as a church, but as we're going through this um, series, I also want us to take a moment to examine, God, where are you calling me? Uh, what is the vision that you have placed in my life? Um, and by vision, I don't mean this like five-year career plan um, of this, you know, this road, that map, this networking event. That I'm, I'm talking about us sitting and listening um, to God's voice um, more so than us just coordinating and directing every piece of our life. Because um, I think all of us sitting here realize that life hasn't always gone according to plan. Um, there's always some um, wrench that gets thrown into our beautiful mapping, <laughs> our beautiful career trajectory, um, our apartments, our relationships. Things don't always work out the way that we plan it to be. Um, and so today we're going to engage uh, talking about what, what is vision and how do we land in a place of vision and hearing from God together um, and individually. And so before we get there, can I just pray for us? Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this season, um, for this fall kickoff, and the start of our wonderful tables. God, I pray that the tables may really just be anointed by your presence, that it may be a sweet, sweet moment of building community, but also growing in relationship with you. God, we thank you for these connecting points of Sunday gatherings, of worshiping you, and just coming into your presence. I pray that as you're directing this church, not just for the next week, next month, um, but for your spiritual plan that you have for us and our time and our season, I pray for your anointing and your direction. May we be able to discern your voice, to know your voice. And God, just be with us as we spend this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So today I, I'm, gonna, I'm going to kind of dive into a little bit of where are we heading as a church. Um, I think it's important, um, and I know you're like kind of, what is your 10-step you know, plan, right? What is your 10-step plan for this program, that program? Um, but more, I want to look at it as a bit of a, an a aerial view of God's mission and calling for us. Because I think it's important not to just know the practical means of how we're going to achieve something and how we're going to get to a result. But I think it's most important of God's calling. Do we believe that we are in, standing in the midst of what God wants to do? Are we standing in the midst of listening to God together? Because here's the thing. We could accomplish a lot of tasks, and we could have a lot of result and a lot of um, byproduct of the hard work that we do. But at the end of the day, if God's presence is not there and his direction is not there, we're going the wrong way. And so I want us to make sure that, hey, God, you are in, in this together. You're, this is where you're, where you're directing us. This is where we sense your presence and so today as we talk about vision, um, I just want to point out two things for us that I've kind of landed personally on, um, being in this now, this lead position for about a year. Um, although I've been with Hope Brooklyn for a long time, this past year has really been, God, I, I need to hear your voice. Um, personally, um, a lot of life changes for me in the past year, but also as a church, and like, God, where do you want to bring us? 
Where do you want us to cross over into? And it's, it's challenging because, man, I wish I could just wake up one morning and be like, listen, I just had this beautiful picture. God told me step one, two, three, gave me the 10-step program and where we're going, right? We're in phase three right now. I wish that it was that easy. I wish that, like, scripture verses were just, like, just dropping in my face and be like, this is our vision statement, right? Like, it's, it would be so much easier. And let me tell you, I had back and forth lamenting with God. I'm like, do I even try today, right? Do I even try calling? Do I even try knocking on the door? God, I need clarity. And God's like, wait. And I hate that. I hate waiting. I need to know where I'm going now. I need to know what I'm eating after this. And there's going to be some awesome food after this. Let me just tell you that, okay? Um, compliments of Dave Santos and his connections, all right? So you don't want to miss it. Um, but I'm the type that I don't even like getting in the car unless I know all the rest stops to my destination, okay? Um, going on a road trip with me is miserable. Okay, I'm just going to let you know that right now. Okay, unless you're the type that's like, I need to plan every step of the way. Then we're going to have a good time. Um, but... Like, my wife and I, when we first um, went to Disney together, I had a full itinerary planned out from the hour, from the minute we left the house. I looked at the trajectory of the map of the, the theme park. I'm like, we need to go here first. We're going to stop here to eat, and then we're going to spend 30 minutes online here. Like, I had all that mapped out, and she's like, why? <laughs> you are sucking the joy <laughs> out of the happiest place in the world. <laughs> um, and so... I, I've, I've chilled out a little bit. Okay, I learned our marriage is not going to survive if I live like this. Uh, but I've, I've learned, like, I, I, hate, I, I hate waiting. I hate not knowing. Okay? And so during the season, I'm like, God, just make it very clear. Just tell me. And he kept saying, just wait and wait and wait. And it was this back and forth kind of lamenting period. And um, I spent a lot of time in, in um, Habak- the prophet Habakkuk in the Old Testament because this is a very interesting book. Um, it's interesting because it's one of the few prophetic um, places where you see this dialogue happen t- happening between God and a prophet. Um, and, the, and the dialogue is raw. It's a short book, so if you ever want to just, you have a long subway ride or you're stuck in traffic somewhere, just listen to the Bible, audio Bible, or read if you read. If you read. But it's, it's a lot of complaints, and I'm like, I can relate, okay? Um, sorry, we don't have it up on the screen, but let's just give you a couple examples. In chapter 1, um, he simply asks, God, why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? He sees this evil happening. He sees, this, he sees an invasion. He sees the people that they've inherited the land that God promised, and now they clearly see that it's going to be taken away. And he sees injustice and all these immoral things happening and people thriving under immoral behaviors and ungodliness. And it's kind of like, why? How is this happening? Right? Even at one point in chapter 2, verse 1, this is, I love this part. It says, I'll stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I'll look to see what he will say to me and what answer I'm going to give to, his, give to this complaint. He's essentially saying, I'm just going to wait for God to respond and I have my complaints ready. Okay? If you guys ever got into an argument, how, how many of you guys have that ready? That mental checklist. Right? If they throw this at me, I'm ready with this. Right? You have all the rebuttals, like all the arguments it's in line. It's a, it's, a, it's a court case every time you get into an argument. But you see this laid out, and he's like, I'm ready. God, you're going to point something out to me, and I'm, oh, I'll show you. <laughs> Let me tell you. And so it's a very interesting um, part, but when the Lord answers, there's a lot of hope and beauty. When the Lord answers the first time, he says, for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. And so the first part of vision and this idea of vision requiring patience, this is tough for me because 
He says, I'm going to tell you something, and you're not going to even believe what I told you. I'm like, so this is kind of a lose-lose situation. I don't hear anything. I'm frustrated. And if I do hear something, I'm probably going to be like, nah. I mean, how many of us have been in that situation where we, we feel and we sense this calling from God and be like, not me, somebody else. And then finally in 2.3, this is the part that we're going to spend some time on. I think talking about vision requires patience. It says, for still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. God is saying what you see right now is not the reality of my kingdom. What you see right now, although you feel like we need a rushed response, an emergency response to something dire and crucial and just catastrophic, says, wait for it. This is not the answer that I would want. It seems slow. As New Yorkers, we don't want anything slow. I realize when I travel and I go to different places, I was at a Starbucks yesterday out in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. That thing took forever. <laughs> okay, I didn't, know, I didn't order any fancy drink. There was no pumpkin spice latte with foam. I just wanted an iced coffee. And everyone in the back is just having a jolly good old time talking and hanging out. And I'm like, yo, <laughs> right? There's no line. There's, no, there's this couple of mobile orders. And I see them just holding my cup with the sticker and just having a full conversation. I'm like, I got to go. <laughs> Right, I have a baby in the car. We're on a ticking time bomb. We've got to go, right? And so I don't like, you know, I'm, as a New Yorker, we don't like things moving slow. We don't like waiting for the next train. We'll rather cram in like sardines, even though there's a train five minutes away. It's like, no, i got to make this one, okay? We're always in a rush, always in a hurry. And when people ask, are, are New Yorkers mean? I'm like, no, we're just, everyone's just in a hurry, okay? We don't have time for nonsense, we don't have time walking slow, and I, now I am officially the slow walker with a stroller, okay? I am the person that got angry. I was angry at everyone, like, move, step aside. Now I'm just like, got to take my sweet old time, right? <laughs> Baby's going to sleep. But we're all types of people that want things in a hurry, in a rush. In the same way, we want to have directions and vision in a hurry. We want to know our calling now. God, I need to know where I'm going to be next week in my calling I can't wait a year. Imagine if God were to tell us that the ministry and the calling of our life, not, I'm not I'm talking about calling as career, I'm just saying as, as our being, as a source of who we are and how we live, if God was like, wait five years for my vision for you. I'm like, five years is a long time. It's a really long time. It's going to fly by, but if, it's a long time. But throughout scripture, we see people waiting decades and years for God's fulfillment and prophetic word. I mean, the people of God here, they, they're, they're hearing about Jesus, and he's not going to come for many, many years later. The prophetic Savior. And then just like he says here, when Jesus actually came, they did not believe that he was the fulfillment. But here it says, for the, still the vision awaits its appointed time. And oftentimes when we see other people experiencing God in an intimate and powerful way, we go, wait, when is it my time? Why can't I have that encounter now? I've been in line longer than this person. I've been going to church my entire life, and yet I have never experienced that peace of God. 
if you've ever gone to a, a, like a church retreat, there's, for some reason, emotions always run high. I don't know if it's a lack of sleep or just the music, like whatever it is. I remember when I was younger and I will go to a retreat and I will see all my friends just like having this powerful breakthrough of God on their knees, crying and praying. And I'm just sitting in my chair, just staring blindly into the screen. And I'm like, I'm not feeling anything. I've, I've been praying everything the pastor said that, that I should pray about. I've been in the church as long as this person, that person, and, and this person. And yet I'm just kind of idly sitting on my seat. And I'm like, is there something wrong with me? Am I broken? <laughs> and then I'll begin to just like, go through all the sins of my life. Like, maybe this is the reason why. <laughs> Not knowing that God has an appointed time for vision for every single person. It's in his time. And unfortunately, five years is not a long time for God. <laughs> But here we realize that vision requires patience because it takes time for our hearts to be prepared to receive that vision. It takes time for our hearts to be softened and to be alert and to be attentive to God's voice. Maybe for some of us, we've been asking for God's direction and vision, and he gives it to us. We're like, that's not realistic. That's not sustainable. I can't make a living off that. I can't volunteer in that way. I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. God, give me something else. <laughs> or maybe we're in a season in our life that we're just not prepared to hear that voice and sense of, God, sense of God. Maybe there's so many distractions and so many things that kind of um, that filter God's voice that we need to kind of settle with and to come to God with first. And saying, God, kind of clear the clutter, clear the noise so that I can hear you clearly. Calling is a unique thing. Um, if people ask, why am I still a pastor? The only thing I could point to is calling. That's it. I'm going to be real with you. <laughs> if God didn't tell me that I need to stand up here, I'm doing something else. Okay? But there's calling. And for me, I received that calling when I was a junior in high school in Honduras. I was praying, praying. Everyone's praying. It was like, a it was, it was like there's no AC in there, so we're all just on the floor because that's the coolest place. Right? It wasn't because we're spiritual. We're all just like laying like flat on the floor because the tiles is cool. It's nice. Um, and we're praying, and I sensed this calling from God to go into ministry. I said, no, not me. And I'm like, not me. You, got, you chose the wrong person. Do you not see the state of my life right now? All right? I am nowhere near spiritual. Okay, I'm like, God, I'm only praying because the floor is cold right now. Okay, like this is, this is not it. I'm not that person that you're looking for. And then I looked at the person next to me, and I was like, oh, he's a leader in our youth group. I think you missed the calling to him. Okay, I think it somehow, you know, it bypassed him and went to me. I'm like, I'm going to just send it back to him, okay? I'm like, this guy over here, he's ready for ministry. He's a natural preacher. He's a natural teacher. He's a natural leader. Not me. My life is a mess. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. And I ignored it. I ignored it. I went throughout my senior year. I was like, God, surely it's not me. You messed up. And I realized over time and time again, as the, years, as the year went on, God was ordaining steps and preparing my heart for something. Um, and that's a much longer story, so I don't want to hold you up for an hour. We've got some good food. Um, but that sense of calling, I was not ready for it at the moment. I was not ready to jump into it, but he, implant, he implanted that thought and that calling into my life. And now, what I'm saying about calling is not that we all need to go into ministry. 
please don't, <laughs> okay? Um, we need people with the call of God in their life in all different fields of career, work, relationships, community, neighborhoods. But when we think about calling and vision, the number one question we go into a church is what is your vision, vision statement? What, what, are you, what are you guys about? And those are all, all important, and this is kind of, we're teeing off for that in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to be sharing all of that. Our values, how do we function as a family, how do we function as a church, how do we worship together, what is our vision statement, what is our vision statement for the year, where God is leading us. We're going to get into all that. But most importantly, we ask God, what is your vision statement for this church? That's the number one question I get as a pastor, and it's a good question. And some of you did not like the answers I gave. I said, I don't know right now, okay? <laughs> We're figuring it out. But my question that I want to throw back is, what is a vision statement for your life? What is God calling you to? Who are the neighbors that God is committing your life in this season to love? And here's the thing about vision. We think it's all about eternity, right, till we die, right? No, God's going to tweak it. He's going to adjust it. He's going to refine it. But in this season right now, what is the voice of God telling you? In this season right now, where is God directing you to? Where is he leading you to? Maybe you're at a crossroads saying, if I take this position, it seems more sustainable in my life and for me to live. But this, this is what I feel like God has built me for, what he has created me for. We've, I think we've all kind of met those crossroads. And I do want to say, it's not evil of us to say, God, I need something sustainable. Sometimes we've got to look after our families. We've got to look out after what we need to do, who we need to take care of. It's, I get it. And I was at that crossroad. Even in my, in my life, going into ministry, I'm like, I, didn't, I don't think anyone realistically looks in ministry and be like, this is a fine financial career decision. Okay? If you're thinking about it, I'm going to let you know right now it's not. But um, looking at my life, like at that season of my life, you know what motivated me? As watching my mom suffer as a single um, parent, as an immigrant parent, the days that I've seen her receiving racial slurs and hate because I'm doing homework at the nail salon that she's working at, seeing how she suffered, I was like, I need to buy my mom a house. I need to buy my mom a car. I need to pay off all the loans, the debt. Like, I need a job. That was, that was my decision early on. I need to find something that, can take, that I could take care of my mom. And I remember in that season, I was telling my mom of this ministry decision. And she's the one that really affirmed and supported, saying, God's going to take care of us. He's taking care of us up until now. And he will continue to provide for us. I hated that. <laughs> And let me tell you something about my mom. The first paycheck I received from church, I was so excited. It wasn't even that much, but I was like, I was so excited to take my mom to go out to eat, right? You know, that's like what you're supposed to do. You get a paycheck. Mom, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a grown adult now. I could take you out to eat, right? And she's like, no, give that check back to church as an offering, thanking God, plus 500. I was like, plus 500? Where do you think I get a plus 500 from? <laughs> I am a college student. <laughs> I need textbooks. <laughs> I had to take out a loan for that plus 500 and give it back to God. But just seeing my mom with that confidence and faith, and that's the thing. Vision takes faith. It takes, it takes a tremendous amount of faith to trust God in that season when it doesn't seem reasonable. 
It seems slow. Wait for it. I love this promise. It will surely come. It will not delay. I'm like, God, that doesn't make sense. It's slow, but it will not delay. That doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> it will seem slow. But the delay isn't because God's busy. It's because he's waiting. He's waiting for the right time, the appointed time. And the second part is vision requires surrender. Um, surrender is a word that we don't like because we're in a culture now that we need to be strong, independent. We don't need anybody else. Right? We, we're, 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 top, we're, we're, we're on the top of tiers of our careers and work and relationships. But vision requires surrender. In Luke 5, 36 to 39, this is a very interesting encounter that Jesus has with the Pharisees. Surrounding fasting, actually. But he starts off to say, he told them this parable. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they'll have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new will not match the old. I know this kind of seems like very, like, obvious, right? It doesn't seem so, you know, we read parables of Jesus that he shares, and it seems so profound, such a mystery. He's like, hey, if you have an old piece of cloth that's torn, you don't take a new one and patch the old one. I'm like, yeah, obviously, right? And in 37, he continues on to say, and no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine wants a new, for they say the old is better. So focusing on the second parable that Jesus shares here of the wineskin. Um, I don't know much about wine. Okay, if you, if you gave me, like, an expensive bottle of wine or, like, a $5 bottle, I'd probably choose a $5 bottle. I don't know. Um, but I don't know much. All I know is from biblical scholarship here, okay, the wine skins were built out of animal skins. So the, the, the neck of the bottle was essentially the neck of the animal. Okay, and it's kind of gross, but anyway. Um, it was the neck of the bottle, and the rest, the remaining part of the bottle was the skin. And so as a fermenting process, they pour the wine in, the new wine in, and it ferments. And as it ferments, the skin expands. And so what Jesus is telling the Pharisees here is like, no wise person will take new wine and pour it into the old one because the new wine will begin to ferment and then it's going to destroy the old wine and the old wine skin. It's going to burst. It's going to expand. It's going to be destroyed. No, any wise, sensible person puts new wine into new wine skin. And we're like, why is Jesus giving a lecture on how to ferment wine? It's because as he's looking at the Pharisees, the Pharisees are tackling him, trying to discredit him about the way that his followers are fasting, the way they're, they're observing certain um, Sabbaths. Um, and I mean, I, I feel for Jesus in many ways, but to imagine that you have a crowd of people following you and their life mission is to discredit you and to tarnish your reputation, Okay. Just, like, imagine that. Like, everywhere you go to work, be like, and they're just, like, slandering you in the back. Like, you're just trying to do a good deed. You're trying to feed someone, and they see someone slandering. It's like, he's selfish, right? That food is poison. Like, it's just a whole, like, mess of things. That as these Pharisees are following around Jesus, every little thing that he does, he's being challenged. He's being discredited. And he looks to the Pharisees, and he reminds them, do you know what I'm doing here? Do you realize what I'm doing? And as he shares his parable of the wineskin and the wine, he's letting the Pharisees realize, you guys are holding on to this old covenant. 
You're holding on to the old traditions and old form that you won't let go. You have told my you mays to you must. You may fast. You may worship. You may have joy at a wedding. I mean, these Pharisees are essentially party, like, party crashers. They're coming to this wedding saying, like, how dare they have joy? They should be fasting. <laughs> and so Jesus is saying, you, we are holding on to this old tradition and old form. And they think the Messiah is going to come and just kind of surplus their form and traditions. They think that the Messiah, that Jesus' job, if he's truly the Messiah, they think his role and his job is to elevate their traditions. They believe that it's his responsibility to make them look like they're truly spiritual leaders. And Jesus is coming and saying, no, that is not my job. Christianity, my, my resurrection, my restoration is not an added taste to your traditions. It is something new. I am restoring and redeeming the old. I am doing a new thing here. And for us, one of the most impeding things to listen to the voice of God, to receive his calling and receiving his vision, is because we're holding so fastly to the old. Of the way worship should look like. Of the way people should pray. Of how we should fast. Of how the church should look like. We hold on to traditions. And then we make that the most supreme thing in our life. And then when God tries to enter into that space to renew it, to bring something new, we don't have room for him. We're saying, God, this is my belief and my, my cup of understanding spirituality. Can you just come and just put some seasoning on it? And Jesus is like, no, I'm coming in to bring a whole new ingredient. <laughs> I'm bringing something that you cannot even process in this moment because you're so caught up in the old wineskin. It's remarkable how Jesus even accomplishes anything when we're holding into that space. And as we're trying to expand this well and expanding the spirituality of coming closer to God and hearing his calling and vision, we need to step aside and allow vision to come with clarity and power. There is no power when we choose and decide where Jesus can step into and where he can't. Maybe there's areas of our life that we're just not willing to surrender yet. God, I want, I want a relationship with you, but I don't want to let go of this indulgence and vice because this is what soothes me. And Jesus says, no, I am your peace. I am your counselor. I am your comforter. We hold on to traumas of past experiences with Christian leaders and churches. And we're saying, God, I, I just, you can step on the outside here. Let me just hold on to this pain. Let me just hold on to this reminder and I'll be honest with you, if I, could stay, if I could stand here and give you a list of the traumatic experiences I've had, we'll miss our meal again. <laughs> but what I understood was when Jesus was offering surrender, he said, give me all that pain, give me all that sorrow. Let me step in, let me redeem it. Let me make it something beautiful. Jesus doesn't want to tweak the old. He doesn't want to patch up just an old pair of clothes. He wants to give us something completely renewed. Are we ready for that? Are we ready to receive that? Because as we talked about in Acts, even the disciples weren't ready for that. Jesus came to them after the resurrection 
And they're like, when is it our time? When is this political upheaval going to happen? When, when, when are we going to be the leaders? When are we going to be, un, uh, when is this rule going to be end? When is empire going to crumble and us, and we're going to, our nation's going to rise? And Jesus is like, that is not my vision. Stop holding on to these old white skins. So let me give you something new. My Holy Spirit. Go wait in that room and receive the new wine that I'm going to give. Some of us, we've, we haven't been able to experience the power of God in our life because we set the circle of, and boundaries of reality. God, there's no way you operate in this way, right? There's no way you could bring healing into this area of grief. There's no way that you could set me free from this addiction that I've been battling with since I was a child. There's no way that you could erase this bitterness and hate. And Jesus is coming to us and saying, I can and I will. I'll bring forgiveness into the darkest areas of shame in your life. I'll bring healing to the most traumatic, wounded scars that you hold. I'll do something new. And Hope Brooklyn, that's my hope for us. I don't want Jesus just to add on to the, last, the things that we've done for the last five, six years. I want something new. I want a new outpouring of his Holy Spirit. I don't, I don't want the residual ones from the years past, although those are pretty good, okay? I want something new. I want to see something new. I want to be, go beyond the expectation of what he has done in Hope Brooklyn and to see what he will do in Hope Brooklyn. I want to see him expand the neighborhoods that we're going to reach. I want to expand the vision that we have for tables. I want to expand the vision that we have for our children's ministry. I want to have a vision for how we expand our worship and prayer and how we engage in spaces, of who, how we invite people into this space. I want to go beyond what we did in the past. I want to do something new. And until we let go of those old wineskins, every time he does something new, it's going to just fold over. Because we're trying to make him mix into our, our bag of our well. But God is saying, no, let me give you something incredible. Let me give you a new vision, new direction. And let me give you an outpouring of my spirit. Are we ready for it? I hope we are. And during this fasting season, I hope God spoke to you about those things. Whether you were able to fast all 21 days or one day, or you're just kind of just peeking in. Because reality is the Holy Spirit that speaks to you is the same Holy Spirit that speaks to me. So if you want to know vision, you, you, you can ask God too, because that's where I'm going for direction, okay? <laughs> I don't have my own roadmap here. I'm talking to the same God that you're all talking to. <laughs> if anything, pray for, pray for us and pray for the leadership. God, give them vision. <laughs> give them clarity. All right? We need it. <laughs> but also, how do we pray for our church? It's easy to find all the faults and all the things, that, all the cracks and all the things that we don't do well or we're missing. But take time to intercede with us, intercede for our ministry, intercede for workers and volunteers and people that will help serve and build. I'm going to be honest with you, though. I say that, but most likely when we pray for those things, God's going to be like, yeah, you can do it. Um, so that's going to be my new approach now. If any, anybody has complaints about anything, I'll be like, you want to lead that? <laughs> we don't have enough Bible studies. You want to lead one? Uh, <laughs> But as we're looking into this, new, this season of starting the fall, um, I don't know why. For me, September always felt like the new year. 
it was never New Year's Day. <laughs> it was never my birthday. But going back to school, there's, there's something nostalgic about it. Um, whether we've been out of school for a while or, you know, we are still in school. September, it just feels like there's this big reset button in the city of rhythms and practices. Um, you know, the, the summer's over. The, people are already, I'm, I'm already seeing Christmas posts. People, we got to stop. Okay, relax. <laughs> let us get through Halloween. All right, okay, maybe I shouldn't be saying Halloween in church. But anyway, we, let us get through some certain holidays before we get to Christmas, Okay. But it just feels like this new page and this new season's coming. And I'm excited because I believe that God is trying to do something new, something better, something more. Not to say that the old things were bad. It was great. We, we are here today because of how God has worked over the past few years. Some of you have witnessed it from day one. Some of you have experienced it last week. <laughs> but we're here because of the faithfulness of God. He has not failed us. He has never forgot about us. He has not let us down. We're still here. There's a mission and purpose that he has for us. I believe it and I know it will come to fruition. And so I'm going to invite the worship team up right now. As we spend some time asking for clarity and vision, first, spend some time asking God, listening to his voice. Sometimes it's hard to hear the voice of God because there's so much clutter. There's so many distractions, our anxieties, our worries. Those begin to consume our thoughts. When we, lay, when we try to go to sleep at night and we're worried about the bills to pay, we're worried about the, 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 our loved ones, there's anxiety about our future and career decisions, about our relationships, and we just allowed all those thoughts to consume us. And we begin to have this internal dialogue of pain, grief, worry. But I want to offer this encouragement that in those times, just take that entire baggage and just come to God. I mean, God, can you just filter through all this noise? Filter through all these distractions. And may his voice be louder. And it doesn't have to come in this big, loud, booming voice. Sometimes it's just a word. It's a whisper. That even one word from God can bring clarity and vision. That's all it takes. His word is powerful. It is through his word that he spoke creation into being. And through his words, he'll speak life into us if we'll just listen. So discern, just filter through all the noise, try to hone into the voice of God and ask him what his vision is, what is the calling that he has placed in your life. Maybe there's an untapped gift. Maybe there's something in your life that you've ignored and you've put aside. Because maybe somebody took advantage of that gifting in your life. Maybe somebody took advantage of your, your time and your service. Don't let that hinder us from coming to God and allowing him to renew it. And allowing him to do something new with it. Our God's creative. Have you seen the wonders of this world? He is not a plain, boring artist. His imagination, his wonder, and his creativity... He'll take that gift 
and he'll mold it into something special. Maybe some of you are wrestling with, do I belong in this city? Living in this city is definitely not easy. I'm realizing that more and more after having a kid. I want nice wide sidewalks and grass and playgrounds. I know it's not cheap. I know it's hard for relationships. And we wonder, can anything good come out of this city? And maybe you're at that crossroad and you're asking God for calling and vision. My question is, are you called to this city? Is God calling you to this place to love the neighbors, to love the people, to love the strangers? Not just out of convenience of lifestyle. But are you called here? The job of, of evangelism and the job of the Lord is not just on pastoral leaders. There's just too many people in the city. God is calling you to your coworkers, to your friends, to your neighbors, to your families. So just take a moment now. Let's just listen.